Hello and welcome. My name is Mark Kirscher, Principal Architect at Cisco, and welcome to this edition of Catalyst Bytes. I'm here with two of my esteemed colleagues from the Wireless Networking Group, David Wolf, Senior Product Manager, and Jim Florick, Senior Technical Marketing Engineer. Uh, we're here today to talk about Wi-Fi 6E. Now, if you think about it, it's only been about two years since we launched uh, Wi-Fi 6, uh, Wi-Fi 6 being the latest wireless standard based on 802.11ax. Like every iteration of the wireless standards, we saw an increase in throughput and a decrease in latency. But what was really important about Wi-Fi 6 was the fundamental changes at the physical layer that also allowed us to support much higher densities uh, in terms of clients coming onto the network. And yet here we are with an evolution of the Wi-Fi 6 standard, Wi-Fi 6E. So Jim, could you tell me a little bit about uh, Wi-Fi 6E and why it's so important? Well, Wi-Fi 6E, uh, like Wi-Fi 6 was to Wi-Fi, uh, when I first read that standard, I thought, hey, that's great. We we wrote a standard that fixes what's wrong with all the other standards, right? Um, and you got to remember that Wi-Fi grew over time. And, and around the world, the regulatories differ greatly, right? So it's a very different experience based on the amount of spectrum and how that spectrum is allowed to be used. Wi-Fi 6E came from the approach that, look, Wi-Fi has been pretty successful anyway, Right. Um, and it's, it's certainly grown. What would we have to do to make it more successful? And, and the answer to that was removing some of the obstacles or the challenges that exist in Wi-Fi today. If you take a look at the five gigahertz spectrum, um, the U.S. probably has the most of that out of anybody. Um, and we've got Uni 1, uh, Uni 2, then the Uni 2E and then we've got uni three and now uni four and each one of those individual spectrum segments has got a break between it which i can't bridge right so that limits me even though i got each of these grants at a different time it limits the amount of of channels that i can bond or the actual throughput that i can i can achieve so for that reason in five gigahertz now we're still sort of limited to 40 40 megahertz channels wi-fi 6e in some places, we got the whole 1200 megahertz. Uh, in other places, we're, we're looking at just Uni 5. Even where we're just getting that Uni 5 spectrum, that's as much spectrum as we've ever had, a little bit more actually, in five gigahertz. And it's a continuous block of, of channels, which means that we can use that in a much more efficient way. There's no waste um, left over when we start widening those channels. So it really sets us up with Wi-Fi 6 also uh, being the requirement to gain access to that with no legacy uh, in the environment. It's really kind of a greenfield spectrum, um, almost like a do-over for Wi-Fi. So it's really exciting. It's big news. We got an awful lot in, in, in one uh, little spectrum change. Um, so it's the biggest grant we've seen since Wi-Fi started. Um, so, all right, so we're opening up a brand new band. Uh, which, you know, of course, is going to mean uh, really changes, not just from an access point and a chip and a radio uh, level, but as you said, each individual country, you know, needs to do things at the regulatory level. Um, so from that perspective, David, Mike, maybe you could tell us a little bit about, you know, what, what is Cisco and, and really the broader 
wireless industry doing uh, to make Wi-Fi 6E a reality? Right. Thanks, Mark. Um, yeah, as, as Jim was talking about the 1200 megahertz that the U.S. has opened up for Wi-Fi 6E, um, that's all well and good in the U.S., but, you know, Wi-Fi is a global uh, standard. And so, as we saw in the 5 gigahertz band, every country kind of came up with their own unique uh, spin on what channels and power levels are available for Wi-Fi in the 5 gigahertz band. So, as we look at 6 gigahertz, the Cisco Corporate Affairs uh, Group, as compliance folks as well, have been lobbying strongly with all the country regulators to try to come up with a more standard or global uh, view of you know, what's allowed, what power levels are allowed, um, what channels are allowed for six gigahertz uh, band. So um, the WFA, um, they have a website, they keep track of what's, what's happening there. But for the most part, folks are either following along with the, the US view of opening up 1200 megahertz or the Etsy world view of the first 500 megahertz like Jim was mentioning in um, Uni5 band. So we're watching that, we're lobbying strongly to open up as much as possible um, so that you know, Wi-Fi can enjoy those um, added channels that'll you know, bring on that capacity that Wi-Fi can provide. Now the challenge is that the six gigahertz has existed, right? It's not something that just suddenly appeared out of nowhere. And those, those frequencies have been used before by other uh, incumbents. So it's important that as Wi-Fi is, or as the six gigahertz is a green field for Wi-Fi, it's brownfield for other technologies. And it, um, Cisco is working to, with the regulators to make sure that Wi-Fi can peacefully coexist with those incumbents or those ex existing services that have been operating in the six gigahertz band. And so, um, you know, what's required, you know, to, to deliver that? It sounds like that, you know, it's, again, not just about uh, bringing out new chips and new access points, but it sounds like there's almost uh, infrastructure required, you know, at the government regulatory uh, piece to make that happen. Yes, as I mentioned, there are existing incumbents in this band, and they have to be protected for those services that are being provided. So um, there is a, a concept called an automated frequency coordination that would take those databases of existing incumbents and coordinate their frequencies with what the Wi-Fi device would want to use. So basically thinking, think of it as uh, allocating a certain list of channels that can be used in that particular location because of um, the existing incumbent. So Cisco has joined a, uh, an alliance called the Open AFC to work with other partners and um, um, businesses in this uh, Wi-Fi space to coordinate how we're going to protect those incumbents kind of together and jointly and make this something that is an industry-wide um, feature. Oh, that sounds great. And of course, you were talking about you know countries starting to open up the band. Um, here in Australia, I was quite excited to see uh, that the ACMA uh, had started to uh, take steps to open up. And uh, as you said, looking at the two different approaches, it looks like, um, you know, we're going to take more of the European path of opening up uh, the bottom 500 first. Uh, but they're already starting to inquire about uh, what, what it would take 
uh, to open up the top 700 uh, as well. So I guess in those countries, you know, that are looking at it more as a two phase uh, process to, to make it a reality. Um, all right, so um, lots of exciting things coming, lots of benefits Sixie will bring. Um, still, as you say, a lot of, of work from an industry and, and really a government regulatory perspective uh, to make it a reality globally. Um, so, you know, with that in mind, um, Jim, maybe, you know, one last question for you. Um, you know, what should, what should IT organizations be thinking about uh, doing today uh, in order to, you know, be ready for the Wi-Fi 6E transition tomorrow? That's a, uh, that's a great question, uh, Mark, because there's a lot. Uh, one of the things that the 6 gigahertz spectrum is going to give us um, is that that backward compatibility that we've always had to maintain in, in other Wi-Fi's um, costs us efficiency, right? It, 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 it takes, it takes airtime uh, to be able to coordinate for everybody. Um, think of it as translating, right? Uh, and the older FIs don't necessarily support the same speed. So it's, it's always been kind of iffy. Um, the other thing was we had that limitation on spectrum and we had those boundaries that we couldn't cross. So, 40 megahertz channel plan was was kind of a luxury. If you could get 80 megahertz, um, you really wouldn't be able to do that in a in a normal enterprise environment at the densities that that we're running there. So what six gigahertz opens up is the reality of 80 becoming the new 40, right? Uh, as far as channel width goes, and that is the entry to plus one gig, uh, the barrier, right? So as soon as you go 80 megahertz, you're easily able to do two gigabits uh, per second today. We've got tests showing this. And when you stack that on top of an enterprise AP that's operating at 40 megahertz, perhaps, um, you know, 80 in, in some isolation, uh, if you're using dynamic systems, but you open that up to 80, you've got a lot more throughput um, immediately over the air. So that's going to really support some of the use cases we've only you know, talked about in wireless, but it keeps us at pace uh, with other industry uh, offerings that, you know, are providing low latency and high throughput. Um, the other thing to consider, and this has been on the creep, is power. Um, it's reasonable to assume that if we've gotten up and we've been working very, very hard to keep the power budgets down, right? With Wi-Fi 6 APs operating now with four or eight spatial streams, we're really pressed hard to stay within the bounds of, of 802.3 AT power. Um, and strapping on a six gigahertz radio and a new spectrum, um, that's not gonna cost us less power. So it's, it's a good time to start taking a look at that infrastructure, the switching infrastructure, um, and how important that is uh, to you moving forward, things like dual homing or redundancy, uh, because we're really entering an age where wireless edge is, is the preferred edge. There's just not going to be wires out there. And of course, you know, if you look at some of the things we're doing uh, in the Catalyst 9000 uh, platform, uh, looking at capabilities like perpetual PoE that allows us to maintain power out, so we keep powering uh, the access point, even when we're doing a reload on the switch, that means I'm not bringing down my whole uh, wireless network. So really improving the, the availability and the uptime uh, and the high availability of, of our wireless networks. 
uh, you know, those sorts of capabilities go beyond just having a switch that, you know, delivers various levels of, of power. Uh, so lots of innovations there, you know, bringing together both the access switching piece as well as uh, the wireless uh, network as well. Um, well, this sounds like really fantastic stuff. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, David. I'm really looking forward to uh, the future of, of wireless with Wi-Fi 6. Uh, and that's been our Catalyst Byte session. Until next time, thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. Yep, thanks, Mark.